The following message was preached at Gospel City Church, a church that seeks to cast a gospel net for the people of Kuala Lumpur. Okay, good morning. Good morning. That my Grammarly was feeling this week as I was trying to type indestructible, a lot of red squigglies this week. Uh, my name is Andy. I am a covenant partner and elder uh, here at Gospel City Church. And uh, I'm happy to be with you all as we continue through our sermon series on Hebrews. Um, I must confess this morning that coming into this week, or actually last week when I uh, started looking at the text, I was not super thrilled that I had signed up for another Melchizedek passage. Um, this is kind of been the end of a few really long and busy weeks. And um, thank you very much, Patrick. And um, I just wasn't really excited to dig into um, all of this stuff on Melchizedek. That's perfect. Um, but throughout this week, the Lord um, really ministered uh, to me through this uh, passage as I looked into the background of the Old Testament law and what this priestly, this priesthood of Melchizedek was. And so um, I hope that uh, in the next, you know, about 30 minutes, uh, the Lord will uh, minister to y'all's hearts as well as we dig into this text. So let me pray for us, and then we will begin. God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, even the seemingly confusing parts. God, I thank you that you have included them here for our instruction, for our edification, and for our joy and for our hope. God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning, take my feeble words, and uh, teach your people. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So this morning, I want to set the stage for where we're going by rewinding a bit. Not to the beginning of Hebrews, not to the beginning of the New Testament, to Genesis. Genesis 1. Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, there was a different kind of relationship that God had with humans than the one that we see go on throughout the rest of the narrative. There was an intimacy, a nearness. God physically breathed life into Adam and Eve. God was with them. There was intimacy. There was nearness. The creator and the creature were together in the garden. Yet, as we know, it didn't take long for that to be broken. Sin entered the world, and with sin entering the world, a chasm formed, a gap formed. The nearness and the intimacy that creator and creatures used to have, that God and man used to have, was broken as a result of sin. The humans rebelled against God, sin entered the world, and with sin, a chasm between a perfectly holy God and a fallen humanity formed. The glory and perfection of God rendered him unable to draw near to sinful human beings. And this inability to draw near to God, it's the problem that the author of Hebrews will be addressing here in chapter 7, 11 through to 22. This morning, as we walk through, we're going to spend our time looking at three different sections. The problem looking at the insufficiency or why the Levitical priesthood wasn't enough, 
looking at a solution, the indestructible priesthood of Melchizedek, and then a better hope, thinking through what is this better hope that is offered in Jesus. So we'll begin by looking at the problem in verses 11 through to 12. Now I want you to imagine for a moment that you are a professional swimmer. Your entire life, since you were a young child, you have been training to be a world-class open water swimming athlete. You are the champion of your craft. You've competed all around the world. And there's one final task that you've been asked to accomplish. You are dropped right near the head falls at Niagara Falls, and you're asked to swim up current against the stream and find your way to the shore. For those of you that aren't familiar with the water speed at Niagara Falls, the average is about 40 to 50 miles, uh, kilometers per hour, with the top speeds going up to 80 kilometers per hour. I don't care how good of a swimmer you are, how fast you are, you're never going to make it to the shore. You'll be lucky giving all of your energy for two seconds to just stay in the same place. You're never going to move forward. The law of nature is working against you. It's preventing you and prohibiting you from moving upstream. And in Hebrews 7, the author is building a case that the old covenant, the Levitical priesthood, was keeping people from drawing close to God. The author begins this section with the language of a formal argument or debate. His argument is that if the Levitical priesthood brought perfection, then there would be no need for another priesthood. Fair enough, right? That makes sense. But we need to ask, what does the, what is the author, what does the, the writer of Hebrews mean by perfection? David De Silva uh, explains this very elegantly when he says, the perfection with the, which the author speaks of here is in a more direct sense, the cleansing of a consciousness from the dirtiness of sin so that human beings may be brought or be, may be able to approach God face to face rather than remaining at a distance from God's holiness. In summary, access to the presence of God is the perfection that is unattainable under the Levitical priesthood. If we remember back to our early studies in Hebrews, this term perfection was used as a consecration language for the priests. The priests were perfected, uh, sacri- um, uh, they were perfected um, ritualistically as a way to be brought into the holiest of holies, as a way to deliver sacrifices. And the reason that these priests under the Levitical priesthood needed to receive such perfection, such consecration, is because they themselves were humans that lived with sin. So the Levitical priesthood, the priesthood that was in place, provided a recurring way for the people to appease God through the giving of offerings and sacrifices. But it did not provide a way for the priest or the average person to draw near to the presence of God. It was only certain people on certain times that could go through enough steps, jump through enough hoops, cut through all the red tape to go into the holiest of holies. So the problem from the garden, that chasm that existed between the perfectly holy God 
and the humans still remained under the Levitical priesthood, under the old covenant. It didn't provide a way for that chasm to be bridged. Therefore, the rhetorical question that the author starts with of if the Levitical priesthood brought perfection, there'd be no need for another, it's answered. Because the Levitical priesthood did not bring perfection, it did not bring humans to a place where they could draw near to the holiness of God, there is a need for another priesthood. And the writer's next claim is that if this priesthood goes, if this priesthood leaves, then it is, and is replaced, then the law must be replaced itself. Even if maybe we've never considered this idea, uh, I believe this concept makes sense, right? The priesthood functions according to the law. The law, namely from the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it instructs the priests on what sacrifices to make and instructs the priests on what washings to give. It instructs the people on what they're meant to bring and do for all of this, right? So when, that, when the priesthood was going to go away, that old law, those old rituals were to go away as well. One author said the pastor is not referring to a specific part of the law that established and regulated the priesthood, but he's speaking about the law as a whole, and it's dependent on the priesthood. Thus, the fate of the priesthood and that of the law are bound together. They're inseparable. So what does that mean for us in KL and 2023? None of us have ever sacrificed two turtle doves after we've been away from church for a week. At least I hope not. Um, (laughs) Under the Levitical priesthood and the old covenant, there was no way for the people to draw near to God. Every experience with God was done through a priest, done through an intermediary. There was someone standing in the gap between you and God, but you could never cross that gap yourself. It would be like if my entire marriage relationship was done through Monhon. Every time I wanted to talk to Becca, I would send Monhon a message and Monhon would relate to Becca and then she'd she'd come, yeah, she'd relate to Sue. And then, yeah, there's no intimacy there. The priests were the intermediaries between man and God. And humans could never come in to that place of the holiest of holies. They could never come into the presence of God. And that's not what we want when it comes to our relationship with God. We don't want a priest. We don't want an elder. We don't want a spouse. We don't want anyone standing in between us and God. We long to be able to draw near to him ourselves. And the problem from the garden is that the gap exists between a perfectly holy God and sinful human beings. And that Levitical priesthood, it could not solve that problem. It could not bring us near. And so that brings us to the second point. What's the solution? How can we be brought near? If the issue is that humans can't draw near to God and the Levitical priesthood isn't helping us, what do we need to do? How do we come into that place where we can draw near to God? In verses 13 through to 17, there is a lot going on. The author is explaining how this new priest is different from the Levitical priesthood. To begin with, a new priest was not part of the tribe of Levi. 
which was revolutionary. It was groundbreaking. We've gone through some of that last week, looking at Melchizedek, right? But this new priest was not part of the tribe of Levi. He was part of the royal tribe of Judah. Moses never said anything about the tribe of Judah being able to serve in the priesthood, but that's where this individual, this priest, comes from. The author is going to extreme lengths and extreme details to show that this new priest has no relationship with the old priesthood, no relationship with the line of Aaron. And this is because what was lacking in the Levitical priesthood is what was lacking in the priesthood of Aaron. Because it was found to be lacking and less than able to bring perfection, a new priest needed to be of a different kind. And the most important idea here that he introduces is not simply that this new priest is different than the line of Aaron, who was not from the line of Aaron, but it was that he was like Melchizedek. Verses 17, or 15 through to 17 say, This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So all of the other priests that had come before, they got their priesthood based on their genealogy, their familial lineage. They were on the line of Levi and that is what qualified them. That is the legal requirement that they had that allowed them to serve in this office of priesthood. This new priest is not merely lacking the genealogy of Aaron, but he is like Melchizedek. And what do we remember about Melchizedek from last week? He is one with a beginning and with an end, just like everyone else. No, yeah, Melchizedek was one that was without a beginning of days and without an end of days. This very mystical language was used of him, right? This eternality of his life, an indestructible life. And this new priest is said to be like him, one without beginning of days or end of life. Where the priests on the line of Aaron who served in the Levitical priesthood, they were humans, exposed to death like the rest of us, this new priest, like Melchizedek, had a life without beginning or end, a life which was indestructible. And all of these traits, this life that is without beginning, a life without end, should set off alarm bells towards a divine life, right? That's not a normal human trait. It's not a normal human trait to be without a beginning of life and without an end of life. The new priesthood is based on nothing less than the power of the eternal God. The author of Hebrews, he is preparing his his listeners to understand this as they're going throughout, understand what he means by an indestructible life. He started out Hebrews by describing the eternal son as a sovereign creator 
and judge. He goes on in chapter 7-3 that Nick preached on last week and said that he is made like the sun, neither having beginning of days nor end of life. And in verse 8, the same Melchizedek is shown to foreshadow the sun. It would be impossible for the first century hearers to not understand the indestructible life as anything less than the eternal life shared by the eternal son. So the identity becomes evident in this idea of the indestructible life without beginning or end, the identity of who this new priest is, and it's Jesus. The one who is the new priest, the one who will bring about the new priesthood, is the one who has an indestructible life, namely Jesus. He did not come from the line of Levi. Rather, he came from the royal line of Judah and David. He had no beginning, and though he died, his resurrection proved his life to be indestructible and with no end. And the writer of Hebrews invokes Psalm 110 as he says that you are forever a priest after the order of Melchizedek. The priests of the Levitical priesthood themselves were sinful. They needed to make sacrifices to be able to enter the throne room of God. They were mere humans whose priesthood would end, like our lives, in death. But Jesus was of another kind. A line of a king who was able to represent the people to the king and represent the king to the people. His indestructible life is what the author will show to be the solution that we have been longing for. And that moves us into our third point this morning, which is the better hope. The writer of Hebrews retells the original argument from the day that previous law and the priesthood, it was weak. It did not bring about any profit or any good to the people since the commands could not bring about perfection. It could not bring about the people being brought near to a holy God. And then the writer introduces us to great news. Says that though the law and the old priesthood, the old way of doing things was not working, through this new priest, the indestructible one who is in the order of Melchizedek, through this Jesus, there is a better hope. And what is this better hope, right? This better hope is that through Jesus, through his priesthood, we are able to draw near to God. It reverses the currents of Niagara Falls. Before you were fighting with all of your might to get to the shore, going nowhere. And now through Christ, you're ushered in to the shore, ushered in to the presence of God. The old law was based on human actions, only temporarily allowing the most select of priests access to the presence in the throne room of God. But in the new covenant, in Jesus, based in his eternal and indestructible life, we can draw near to God. This new provision in Christ 
it's twofold. We're able to access and draw near to God today and the present. So on your worst of days and on your worst of weeks, we're able to come to God in prayer, not through a priest, not through an elder, not through a perfectly formed liturgy, but just come to him. Even in weeping and tears, we know this from Romans 8, right? That we are able to come to him and we have the Holy Spirit inside us who's able to intercede on our behalf. We're able to come to him today, come into his presence, draw into his presence, and then it also has this ultimate and eternal language that we will be able to enter into his presence forever in eternity. For millennia and for generations, the people of God labored under the weight of the Levitical priesthood. It provided temporary appeasement between sinners and a holy God, but it was unable to fix what the original sin had broken. Before sin entered the world, man and God shared intimacy. Man was in God's presence in the garden as he breathed life. There was a nearness and an intimacy which was tarnished by man's rebellion. The relationship between God and man was mediated through priests who they themselves needed sacrifices to draw near to God. But in Jesus, we have a better hope. No longer do you and I need a mediated relationship with God. Because of Christ, we are able to enter into God's presence today and forever in eternity with him. When you have a bad day, when you have a good day, when you have a request that you need to bring to the Father, you are able to draw near to God himself, to praise him, to worship him, to lament and cry out to him in anger and anguish, to find grace, to find comfort, to find mercy, to find peace. All of those things you're able to do in his presence because we can draw near to him. And the good news keeps getting better. The author continues on. He says, because the old priests were appointed based on their genealogy, this new priest, Jesus, he had to be appointed on something different, right? Because people from Judah didn't become priests. It just didn't happen. And so he was appointed, he became a priest on a divine decree, an oath from God. And this is what the author is getting at here at the end of the passage in verses 20 to 22. Because Jesus became like a priest by oath or command of God, his priesthood is lasting. It's not perishing like the human priest who came before. And since he is a priest who has an indestructible life, his better hope is everlasting. And it makes him the guarantor, the one who will bring about and guarantee the new covenant. Where Jesus, have to, where Jesus to have been only a human, not a human in God, not appointed by God, then the priesthood and his covenant could fall away like the others before him. But because 
He was made a priest by the oath of God himself because he is fully God and fully man and has that everlasting and indestructible life. His priesthood will not pass away. It will not go away. And he will guarantee the fulfillment of his better covenant. In this better hope, Jesus is able to bring people to access him to the presence of God, both now and in heaven. So what does this mean for us this morning? Well, it means that Jesus is the solution to the problem that sin introduced in Genesis 3. Sin separated humanity from a perfectly holy God. The Levitical priesthood was unable to bring humans into God's presence. Therefore, Jesus came into the presence of men. Jesus took on the flesh of all, he took on the flesh of humanity in addition to his godly nature, and he died and resurrected as a once and for all time sacrifice. As our priest, Jesus offered himself a perfect life exchanged for imperfect people. And through his sacrifice, we are able to be brought into God's presence today and for eternity. If you are here this morning and you have never put your faith, you've never put your hope in Jesus, then I would encourage you to trust in this better hope that Jesus provides. There's no need to do more. There's no need to try to live in the way of the old priesthood, doing different things to try to bring ourselves into the presence of God. Christ has once and for all paid for your sin and your shame. And so if you've never believed in him, and you know, we were studying an equip group on Friday night where Paul says, you know, today is the day of salvation. May today be the day of salvation for you. Come into God's presence today through this better hope that is in Jesus. Maybe you're a believer in this room and you feel distant from God. You feel like you've been struggling to draw near or maybe you feel like you've been trying to earn your way to draw near to God. Oh God, this week I went to Monhon's Thursday night um, group. This week I did 90 for 9 six out of seven days. This week I actually studied the catechism beforehand. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Repent and rest in the work that Jesus has already done. He's provided the way for you to draw near to God. Let him draw you in and then let your heart slowly change where you yearn and desire to read his word. You yearn and desire to pray, but not out of a way to gain favor before him, but out of a loving response to a savior who gave everything for you. If you're in this room this morning, and maybe you're like, you know what? This is just really good news. I, I feel like this is what I needed. Praise God. 
Praise God that in Jesus we have a better hope. And as we're thinking through our 90 for 9 this quarter, I want you to pray through and think through, and we're going to even do this in the questions this morning. Who is someone that I can tell about this better hope of Jesus? Who is someone that I can help draw in to the presence and draw near to the presence of God as we're going about your week in your grab car rides to work, in your office place at the water cooler at lunchtime, when, you know, your cousin that, you know, keeps WhatsApping you and wants to hang out all week and you're like, oh, not this person again, I'm so tired. Maybe say, okay, let's hang out and tell them about Jesus. Tell them about this better hope that is found in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this better hope that we have in you. I thank you that we don't have to do anything to draw near to your throne. That through the blood of Christ, we can come. Father, I pray that you would help us this week as we go about our lives. God, help us to know how to apply this word to our lives. God, whether we need to repent and trust in you, whether we need to just worship and adore you and share it with others, God, I pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We invite you to learn more about Gospel City Church at gospelcitychurch.my.